Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. This is your last chance. After this, there is no turning back. You take the blue pill, the story ends. You wake up in your bed and believe whatever you want. You take the red pill. You stay in Wonderland. And I show you how deep the rabbit hole goes. This is Monica Perez, your libertarian voice on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB every Saturday from 3 to 6. We're talking about Obamatrade. Obamatrade is this, this time around... TPP, the Trans-Pacific Trade Partnership. There's also another one in the works, TTIP, which is the Atlantic equivalent. And my feeling about this, my observation from what I've studied and read over the years, is this is part of a a very well-defined, foreshadowed plan from the beginning, or from like 40 years ago, uh, in which specifically the Trilateral Commission, but a lot of institutions and governments are completely on board with it to normalize the laws in different countries, regionalize them in three columns, this trilateral Europe, North America and Japan and other Asian countries, and then stitch them together in what Brzezinski is big new Brzezinski, a big part of this and Carter's national security advisor said would be a gradual convergence of East and West. That is how important I think these trade deals, the ones we're talking about right now, the ones that uh, Boehner is trying hard to give Obama fast track authority on so that he can, he can negotiate this whole thing without the normal, without the constitutional uh, checks and balances that this kind of legislation is supposed to face. And uh, it failed yesterday, but Boehner's trying to get to resuscitate it. And that happened in the Senate. It failed and then it passed. So this isn't past us. It has very, very broad implications. But I want to just clarify something and then get your calls, uh, 404-872-0750, 1-800-WSB-TALK. When I talk about this stuff, this, these, it's like an 800-page document, this Pacific trade deal. And I'm a libertarian. I'm all for free trade. Free trade, in my opinion, should be a document that says no tariffs or quotas between our countries. And I would even take it to the next level and say... No tariffs or quotas just for my country. If you want to dump stuff on our shores for us to gobble up cheap, that's fine. We'll find something else to do, like change the world with computers, you know, like we'll just do other stuff. Uh, and and I can get into the, the theoretical, the economic basis of that. It's actually, I'll just tell you, it's called comparative advantage. So no matter how, even if everybody in the world is better at everything than we are, human beings will occupy themselves so we can we will still work we will still pick up a broom or rub somebody's feet 
or uh, or just invent new stuff that innovation and productivity improvements, all the things that give us prosperity are born of human innovation, of human uh uh, in industriousness, so that I- even if we got all the Chinese shoes they could make, they we would still find something to do because that's what human beings do. You have to realize that that human nature is such that we are constantly inventing new outlets. So I'm all about free trade. I have complete faith in capitalism, and I'm I'm an anarcho-capitalist. I have no faith in government, but I understand capitalism. But what I mean by that is laissez-faire entrepreneurship in real economic freedom. But what's really going on here, and, and capitalism is blamed for it, is corporatism, is where these kind of agreements, which are written by lobbyists, are designed to give corporations, especially multinational corporations, advantages over the little guy here in the U.S. so that this Trans-Pacific Trade Partnership actually puts a mechanism in place for big companies, foreign companies, to sue the United States and, by implication, the taxpayer here, for future lost profits because they would have to conform uh, to these these laws and the implications of the law. So it puts us on the hook uh, and it puts our people on a disadvantage because Amer- purely American companies have to obey purely American laws. But some of these companies would be exempted from those laws. So it's it's not just not protectionism. It's actually giving advantages to foreign companies. And, and the kind of corporatism that that implies happens also domestically. Regulatory barriers to entry where you have to have huge environmental uh, uh, compliance departments or legal departments or accounting departments that give somebody like Starbucks the advantage over Andy's coffee shop. When I was growing up, there was a local coffee shop a guy owned. We knew his name. There was the local pizza place that people owned. We remember when they sold it to another bunch of guys. And uh, the local hardware store, we knew the guy. We would wait for the stuff we needed. We would, they didn't have everything. But it was very community-oriented, and those people had stable livings. They knew what they were doing. We could trust them. And now all of that is gone for Pizza Hut, Starbucks, and Home Depot. And I'd be okay if it was just because they had economic advantages. But a lot of their economic advantages, especially like Starbucks, like your local coffee shop, I thought it was better than Starbucks. The advantages are compliance, regulation, even even things like that you don't realize, like low interest rates, real estate tax benefits, uh, infrastructure like um, the government spending a lot of money on roads, makes the kind of expansion that these companies live on, thrive on. A lot of them are just real estate plays. It kind of subsidizes that, and, and it puts more power in the hands of the big guys and finance. So you've got... All these, once you start bastardizing economic freedom, you can say, well, we need protectionism now because uh, we're so screwed. But my contention is that really you would have basically no big corporations if there weren't all of these government policies that are designed to protect them against competition. They keep the little guy out. There would be a race to the bottom in a good way. Those big profits would come down to earth and people would, uh, there would be a, a dispersal, like a diffusion of wealth and production and all that 
be as as the little guy didn't face these enormous regulatory barriers to entry or super complicated tax codes that that the little guy is never going to get the advantage on. So there's <clears throat> this is just another example of how the libertarians view of freedom can be uh, used against them in a situation where economic freedom has already been compromised. So I'm going to go to Anne, um, and then John after that. Anne, what have you got? You're on with Monica. Monica, uh, the problems that you have been citing have uh, started way long before 40 years ago. Yeah. Barry Goldwater was totally and absolutely correct, right down to the last letter of what he said. Um, This has been, it's even more than a conspiracy. It is a a well-thought-out, very highly structured, and deeply, deeply invasive program for a very small number of people to take over the entire world. It is called the New World Order. And it has I have been studying this for a long time. I knew that Obama was a puppet of them uh, before 2008. And um, I have, I'm going to give our audience some uh, 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 little pointers of where they can go online to find out some amazing things. And um, one thing, I, first I would like to just mention that if you look at your dollar bill... There is a triangle, like a pyramid, and in the middle of that triangle, there is a big eye. The all-seeing eye. God, God, people, go look it up online. It is, it'll blow your socks off. And do, do this, if you would, Anne. Um, I am familiar with that stuff, and I would say the first... When it really first started was basically Cecil Rhodes Roundtable in England over 100 years ago, Rhodes of Rhodesia, Rhodes Scholarship, mm-hmm. um, Colonel House under Woodrow Wilson uh, founded the Council on Foreign Relations. Yep. That was 100 years ago. Yep. They promoted World War One and the League of Nations that yep. came out of it, the United Nations. There is so, so, so much evidence. If you would, and if you want to share that with me, if you email it to me, I can... Uh, put it into the the show notes, the blog post that I release when I put the podcast up of this okay. show Monday or Tuesday. Okay. I would love to have that stuff. I I have read many many books on that, um, and uh, and I think people can verify for themselves what goes into that. I'm gonna thank you so much, Anne. I'm gonna go to John in East Point. Hi, John. You're on with Monica. Hey, Monica. I, I listen to you and I appreciate the things you say. Ironically, Wilson is a man who said that uh, taxation would destroy democracy. So uh, I think he was kind of naive. He regretted uh, a lot of what he did, and I think he was yeah, influenced absolutely. by Colonel House to the point where when he realized what happened, he was ashamed and wrote stuff like that, like, I've betrayed my country well, to the banks, stuff you, like that. I don't want you to be naive enough. Drugs are knocking out the men of this country who could save this country. And and it's it's all around us. The the women's movement is being used by Obama and these other people, you know, to push this stuff along. John, will you will you hang on with me through the break because I want to talk a little bit about that. Yeah. All right. Hold on a sec. Um. I. Uh. The drug thing is another example of where the freedom to do what you want 
is uh, compromised by something like the welfare state. You know, if you have to buy your own food and support your family, the drug rate, drug abuse rate plummets. But when you have a situation like this, I advocate you can do what you want with your body. And yes, you can. But I also don't want welfare. I mean, that is what creates the systemic problems is when you start violating your principle of what government is for. But but John had some points about Bill Clinton and NAFTA, which I think parallel Obama and this TPP thing. So I want to get to that. I want to get more of your calls, 404-872-0750, 1-800-WSB-TALK. This is Monica Perez. Monica Perez on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. It's mostly sunny and hot today, high of 90. Weekend weather brought to you by Shoemate, the official air conditioning of summer. I was on with John in East Point. Uh, and we're talking about Obama and the Trans-Pacific Trade Partnership, and you wanted to make a parallel or a comment about Bill Clinton and yeah, NAFTA. What you got? I, I kind of got got onto this, I guess, late in life. Um, this free trade agreement, NAFTA, opened the doors, ultimately uh, destroying the real estate world that we knew in in our country. I know because I was a real estate appraiser for thirty five years. Uh, now there are no loans. They're sitting on money. But Buchanan said no. He was a, he was running for president. He said no. Tra- this trade agreement is is dangerous. So and did so Russ Perot. Look where you are now. The Clintons are worth over a hundred million dollars right now. Go right down to Obama. He's waiting in the wings to get his, and he'll be worth over a hundred million. The vice president that uh, that the Clintons had. Is worth over a hundred million. Trace the money. That's where it's all going. Our yeah. Senate and our uh, representatives have been bought by money and the promise of big money. I feel and- that the, this kind of stuff, which is. Uh, it started, NAFTA started as a Republican thing, but it took a Democrat to bring it home because they have to. Uh, they they have to kind of silence the objections on the left. That's why this stuff is bipartisan because nobody really wants it. So both sides have to come out and um, and kind of bring their side on board, and that's when I really start smelling a rat. And I feel like that's why Obama has to bring this home. The Democrats don't want it, but he's this is going to be his last big act. And I I am a free trade in uh, my principles. But this stuff, it seems like NAFTA, uh, this corporatism, even the way the government funds research uh, that that moves investment from uh, labor producing jobs to labor using jobs to like technology using jobs, like all these things and also messed up immigration law shift uh, uh, the economy and leave a lot of structural unemployment that would not exist in a free system. Tell me if you observe this also. 404-872-0750 1-800-WSB-TALK This is Monica Perez. And now for something completely different. Monica Perez on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB I am the Libertarian Voice on WSB every Saturday from 3 to 6, trying to tell you the Libertarian take on what's going on in the news this week. This week, uh, the Democrats killed or derailed fast-track authority for Obama to pass this Pacific trade agreement. I got a nice post on Facebook 
uh, from Teresa that said, listening to you, Monica, thank you for talking about the trade agreement and what it's going to do to us. It's going to give away our governmental powers. Interesting to know the Trilateral Commission is behind this. I want to make very clear that I did not actually see the the authorship that was the Trilateral Commission. It's just crystal clear to me. There's no doubt in my mind that this, what I like to quote Churchill, called the High Cabal, which is a bunch of related institutions, the Council of Foreign Relations, the Trilateral Commission. These are big institutions that have tentacles everywhere. And they, uh, uh, I feel like the Trilateral Commission's the active arm, but, but they are really... Their goal, their stated goal, 40 years ago when it started, and as Anne pointed out, this was really at least 100 years old, this idea of what Cecil Rhodes said, kind of underground reestablishing the British Empire, but making it the whole world. So everybody should speak English, everybody should have social democracy, and those guys at the top, behind the scenes, will have the money and the power, and... I don't know if it's exactly uh, uh, like that. I think there's an international power elite, not an English power elite, but it's still there. I think this is all working. But the Trilats specifically said they were going to normalize, regularize laws and economic, um, uh, the way economies were run in these three regions, Europe, North America, and the Pacific. And then in Brzezinski's words, Con, uh, for a gradual convergence of East and West. And that's what I think these two parallel trade agreements are over the Pacific and the Atlantic, the TPP and the TTIP. Uh, they're just the 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 last piece in the puzzle of this convergence. And uh, Jeff Sessions has a good couple of press releases out. He's the Republican senator from Alabama who gives us in a nutshell what we need to know about this because it's not released. It's 800 pages and it's secret and lobbyists have gotten a piece of it, but legislators are highly restricted in their access to it. And and one of the things about the Trilateral Commission that I think is interesting, and I really hate that uh, to target business because I'm an anarcho-capitalist. I uh, Laissez-faire entrepreneurship to me is the the beginning of all of our social order, that we, we have arm's length transactions and that is what creates law and order. We recognize the law, don't touch me or my stuff, and uh, we ensure that. Who's going to build the roads? Well, real estate developers or auto manufacturers or energy companies, they will build the roads because uh, they need the roads and they will take into consideration what the cost is of that stuff. But when the government starts subsidizing all of that, it enriches these guys uh, at our expense. And some of the original members and over the years, the members have included the heads, not just like some guy who works at Ford, but like the heads of uh, of huge companies in uh, law firms, unions, banks, media, foundations, think tanks, um, universities, uh, energy companies, farms, industrial manufacturing, auto, aircraft. I have a couple of books called Trilaterals Over Washington in two volumes. I got that. One of the lists I got from 1981. And you can go right now and look at Trilateral Commission membership. Now it's like all government media law um universities it's like it's like industry doesn't even show up on the radar but i i think ultimately 
they are behind the scenes and all this kind of stuff. Anyway, I'm going to go to Janice in Flowery Branch. Hi, Janice. You're on with Monica. Hi. You hit really home when you uh, started talking about NAFTA because I'll not name the company, but the company I worked with, they decided everything that they needed done, they were going to send overseas. So we got laid off and or fired, but I'm one of those lucky ones that during that time, I got to go back to school and learn a job, which I did. And I have a job now in this United States of America, and we do service other areas with my job well, that's the but thing. Yeah, go ahead. I did. I I went through NAFTA. I went through school. I didn't finish my schooling because my unemployment ran out. Okay. But I got a job doing the field of what I was going to college for. And I'm still in that job 16 years later. Well, I think... And it is basically local. Okay, yeah, that's that's the thing. This is what was really one of uh, the overarching goals of NAFTA, and I remember Clinton talked about it, wanted to convert the American society into a service society. This what's called social engineering, which is a an expression a lot of people have heard of. I did learn it a few years ago, but I wasn't kind of like raised on it. It was a fairly new concept to me. But the idea... Oh, until, until I yeah. just heard you say something, yeah. I didn't understand why I went through NAFTA and how that whole process wound up being the best thing that ever happened to me. Well, that's that's good. And you can look at some of... If you give them... Uh, if you think that they're doing this to be uh, beneficial, benevolent, I it mean, is possible... Sorry. Um, it is possible that they that they are. Yeah, say what you're going to say, and I'm going to answer you. Oh, no, they, they did good for me because I actually got into an American-established job. Only here in America. I see what you say when you're talking about the trade and where we're, we're going so far off the wall about where we need to keep everything in America. We do need to keep everything in America. We are America, and we need to produce what we need to produce in our own country. Okay, that's what I want to I answer. A couple of things that you have said. One is, there is this idea, like Pappy Cannon's idea, that you need to protect the industries here, the workers here, because we cannot compete against workers in foreign countries. As theoretically, because they don't have the same kind of social, like the payroll taxes and all the things that make it hard for us to work here. In China, it was long regarded they had what's called slave labor. My mother still won't buy from them because they have political prisoners. They have no uh, uh, economic freedom. So she just objects to the system as unhumanitarian and she will not buy from them. But that's Pat Buchanan's idea. For me, theoretically, the only argument I can countenance uh, against free trade is the idea that 
you could be subject to outside basically acts of war if you can't feed your own people. But I, I would say as a baseline for that, there are very few absolute necessities that could throttle you that would actually be considered a matter of national security. But I can think of a couple of examples how this has happened. Russia, the sanctions against Russia were not effective. But when Saudi Arabia tanked the price of energy, that brought Russia to her knees. To the extent she's reeling from anything, it is not sanctions. It is her dependence on the uh, revenue from energy at a certain price point, like $90 a barrel or something like that. So they, that was an act of war, and they and Russia felt it. Also, the Arab Spring, I believe, was sparked by high international food prices. Now, Condoleezza Rice and George Bush, W, said they wanted to spark this Arab Spring, and I don't know if the food price spike was intentionally designed to do that, but it really caused a lot of unrest in those countries because, and these are countries where the farmers could have hacked away at their land and made the food that they needed, but because I think their countries betray them with IMF loans and stuff like that that really mess with their economies. They put in capital controls so that regular people can't go overseas and invest there, or they themselves have so, I've heard about some countries in Africa where it's just basically impossible to start your own little business. So they're really screwed by their own governments. And then when the price of food or gas uh, spikes, they just don't have any wiggle room. So those are national security interests. And I recognize those. Um, but I also see this uh, social engineering aspect of NAFTA, which uh, include... A, a transformation of society. And you talked about school. They want everyone to go to school. They want people to get school loans. I think, I don't, I, you know, I don't know 100% why, but I I've, I observe that if your men can do stuff and your women can do stuff, like I always think, because I can't do like stuff that, <laughs> like uh, stuff that takes strength or mechanical ability, but I know a lot of gals can and are survivalists, shoot guns, stuff like that. People who can do stuff like that, who understand how things work, who can build stuff, who can make stuff, who can even run the local businesses without outside help. Uh, manufacturing can be brought down at such tiny little levels, which is why you have so much variety on the shelves now. Engines, motors, um, manufacturing equipment can be so small that you really could have some in your local community if, if say, transportation weren't subsidized by the government, you might not want to truck things 3,000 miles or fly them 5,000 miles. So there are all these implications of these laws that take that and they all seem to go in the same direction which is taking uh the the nuts and bolts stuff out of our hands so that the only things that are left which you point out are stuff that that really can't be outsourced even some stuff like domestic help can be outsourced by having a really skewed immigration policy that sucks people in only at the lowest levels there does that but there's also in manufacturing building stuff it gets, you know, made real big and then outsourced so that the only thing left for a regular guy to do is build houses. And that's when it was so when the financial crisis happened and it focused on the housing industry, it was devastating to us. But that's because we have artificially jammed everybody into a few little things. And service, you know, you were talking about service. I think maybe we're a 70% service economy now. That means if underlying revenue gets... Uh, 
gets uh, um, shook up. All those service people have less to do. It's very disruptive to have such concentrations, to have inorganic economic changes, the systemic stuff from central planners. That's why I don't like an 800-page free trade document. But I want to get to more calls. Mike and Roswell, you're up next. Um, He's concerned about our sovereignty, I think. 404-872-0750, 1-800-WSB-TALK. This is Monica Perez. Monica Perez on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. High of 90 today, even hotter tomorrow with a high of 92. Weekend weather is brought to you by Shoemate, the official air conditioning of summer. And we are talking about the free trade, it's not a free trade agreement, the trade agreement that uh, Boehner, the Republican Speaker of the House is working hard to give Obama fast track authority, which circumvents the constitutional uh, power of Congress to regulate trade and uh, also advise and consent on treaties. I'll read you the constitutional language at the top of the hour. I always think it's great to just read the usually like half a sentence, you know, that that makes it very clear the limits of power. I love that. But why, I mean, does it not bother you that the Republicans are just killing themselves to give Obama a blank check? I smell a rat with that. 404-872-0750, 1-800-WSB-TALK. I'm going to Mike and Roswell. Hi, Mike, you're on with Monica. Hey, Monica, thanks for taking my call. Thank you for hey, calling. Uh, what do you I, got? I, listen, I think we, uh, we're entering captured nation status. Uh, I think the founders warned us against foreign entanglement, and we will be usurping more of our uh, sovereignty to foreign, you know, foreign councils and governments that we have no voter say in. So all these things like carbon taxes and repealing of the Second Amendment and the First Amendment, all these things that we sort of get now, they're going to be completely gone once these trade agreements come in because they will get passed because the American public is more worried about the gender of a, of a celebrity versus, you know, their own natural rights. And so I, I'm very concerned. Well, the U.N. definitely has some of that influence here. So John Kerry, I believe, did sign like the small arms protocol, which isn't law here until, I guess, the Congress um, uh, votes on it. But but they make inroads there. This thing actually sets up basically a legislative and judicial body that is going to have authority to change the rules after it's ratified, as well as to accept new nations into it. So I think this thing is is worse than anything we've ever seen before. I can't read it because it's a secret, which is also awful. But that is that uh, consistent with your view on this, on, on how bad this is getting? Absolutely, Monica, because here's the thing. Once you're a member you basically lose any voluntary rights. We're not going to withdraw from it because it's like the movie network, right? Like the big speech. There's no countries. There are no nationalities. It's just IBM and Cisco. And that's the point. I mean, we, we've basically gotten to a point now where corporations, multinational corporations write our laws. And once we go into these trade partnerships, as a part trading member, we give up all of our rights as a sovereign nation. And it just scares me because I think this is the way it is going to go. And I don't think this, it may not get passed this time, but. Yeah, but it will get passed eventually. And the thing is, the problem is Republicans are so, uh, Republican voters hate this idea that um, you want to put up barriers to business. But this is out of control. This is corporatism. It is not capitalism. More on that after this. This is Monica Perez.
Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.